Welcome everyone to another episode of Weekly Game Chat. I'm your ghost, aka guest host, Chris, as always joined by a co-host, John. Hey guys, how you doing guys? How you doing, Chris? I'm doing okay. I am doing alright, I guess. Just another day. Another another day, another dollar, right? I suppose. Man. I think that's, that's how the saying goes. That is a saying, I believe. I, I looked it up. <laughs> <laughs> I had to. <laughs> uh, so um, we're getting, I think we're getting back to the point, you know, I was listening a little bit to our podcast last week. Um, mm-hmm. Our opening intros are getting a little bit more boring because <laughs> there's just not. It was real boring last week. <laughs> there's just not going, there's just not a lot going on. Well, we had we had like a weekend of baseball before it fell apart. So there's that. <laughs> what was it? I guess it's a lot of teams, but I read that the Marlins have yeah. canceled their season. Uh, they're canceled for the next week. They're quarantining the team, and uh, I think they were up to like 17 players this morning when I saw have tested positive. Players, oh, tested. Okay. Yeah. So I think they. Yeah, they've got harder than um, the NBA, which is coming back. The season actually starts Friday again. We'll start back up. And, you know, the NBA is, it's like you have two opposite things going on, right? NBA lockdown. Um, like even this will, this weekend, uh, Lou William, Lewis Williams from the Clippers left the bubble, got photographed at, um, magic city up in Atlanta. Um, and now is quarantined for 10 days to make sure that, you know, that he doesn't uh, infect anyone else, right? And then, like, even um, Dallas's forward, uh, Christian Brzingis, he missed a test, so he's quarantined for a day until they can retest him and all that. Um, so, you know, like, they're very, very stringent on it, whereas with MLB, you know, obviously they're testing every day, which is why they caught the stuff with the Marlins pretty quickly. But even before then, you know, when they get done every day at the ballpark, it's not like they're going back to some controlled environment. Right. So go into stasis. <laughs> yeah. Like basically what the NBA is doing, right? Like where they're all just this one complex, you know, they're traveling they're they're going home and all that. So there is, I guess a lot more potential in that environment for, for cases than technically what would be in the NBA bubble if everyone's doing what they're supposed to be doing. But I would I would imagine, much like Lewis Williams this past weekend, there are going to be instances, especially for teams that are just kind of more so playing right now and do not have legit shots at championships where uh, there will be those who violate. And we'll see how long it takes for the bubble to be burst. But we'll see. To be boist. Either way, I'll just be glad. I mean, there has been some exhibition basketball but um, as they get ready to start, but I'll be glad to have that back Friday because, I mean, baseball's all right, but where it's gone the last couple of years, I just, I'm nowhere near as attentive on it as I used to be, say, 10 years ago even. Besides that. What, exact, what exactly? What do you mean where it's going? Uh, I mean, it's it's a lot more stat-driven now, which you would think with me I would love, but um, basically the analysis says, hey, you should always just go for the home run. So you have a lot more strikeouts now. Um, you have more home runs on average, right, on teams. But it's just um, 
small ball and all that kind of stuff doesn't feel like it's prevalent as it used to be. Everything is more about what does the analytics say because they usually end up winning out, right? It's kind of... yeah, And that's one of the things about, um, you know, one of the things that's been frustrating me for years about the Dodgers head coach who I I genuinely like. I think he's a nice guy, but Mm -hmm. he will... (laughs) he will look at an analytic chart to tell him mm-hmm. whether she, whether he could keep his, whether he should keep his pitcher in the game, regardless yeah. of whether he's tired, regardless of whether he's in the zone, regardless of any of that, the, the data says pull him. Yeah. And to, you know, you, I, I, I totally agree with that. That's just, that's baseball. That is not exciting, particularly during yeah. world series play. It's, it's like weird because it's been the opposite for the NBA as analytics came in because that kind of gave rise to the warriors and, and all that. Right. And I guess like the downside, the only downside to NBA analytics has been people, uh, sitting players, right. To, to have them rested for the playoffs. But on the flip side, it's been really good because it's made the NBA has basically adjusted to those rules and said, okay, let's make the game faster. Let's make it more loose and have shots earlier in the shot clock and all this kind of stuff. And it's really fun. I mean, it is crazy to watch a guy, uh, sing 20 feet out, you know, from the basket, just take a step back and drain a shot over someone. Like it's nothing, you know, that would happen maybe once every five years. It felt like, you know, or it was, it was a hail Mary type shot. And now it's like a regular occurrence sometimes in the NBA with the talent. But um, yeah. Besides that, I guess the only other things I tried to watch that curse show, and that fell apart for me real fast. <laughs> is not The Witcher, it is not Lord of the Rings. So that's what I did. I watched I watched like an episode and a half of Cursed, and then I just put on the Fellowship of the Ring, and I was like, ah, okay, Daddy can breathe again. Good fancy. Ah, tell me about Cursed. What is this? It's uh, it's the new Netflix show. It came out not this Friday, but the Friday before that, right? And it's um, did you ever watch Thirteen Reasons Why, the first no. season? <laughs> uh, no. guilty pleasure. Um, it's got the girl who was the main subject of that show is the lead in this one. Um, I can't remember her name right now, but it's supposed to be like the the Arthur area, and I guess of of you know, King of England type periods got Merlin in there and all that. But mm-hmm. she, in this, it's kind of going for the, not like we're being historically accurate. It's embracing the fancy and the medievalness and all that, where she's like a fae that has obviously magical abilities. And I guess it's kind of suggested that on one hand, society feels like she's cursed because she's a witch in a way in their view. But in the other hand, it seems like she might be the one who's destined to be the one to unite Britain or something like that through fate. You mean Morgan Le Fay? Is that what you mean? Hmm? No. She, is, she, is she Morgan Le Fay? No, no. She's just like Fay, as in like the type of people, like tree people and all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, I'm not familiar with that phrase. Yeah. Um, um, and then um, I can't remember the actor. He's kind of he was in Westworld uh, for a little bit. He's been like, he's got that face and the voice. You would recognize him right away. You would know. I don't know if you would know his name, but you would recognize him, John. Um, Mm. But he's kind of playing the, you know, religious zealot that basically wants to burn anyone who's magical uh, and destroy their lives and all that. And I don't know. It just like, after I, I would identify with him. 
Yes. <laughs> cool. Um, but uh, it was like once I started watching, I was like, oh, this just feels like it's trying to be Hercules or Xena from the 90s and mm-hmm. the way it's tone going. It's like there's a long tracking shot um of trying to show the devastation of of like a village and it's just so over the top choreographed and does not feel realistic for today's standards because she's doing this thing where she's running and she's panting and she's just sitting there and like no one's really interacting with her for most of the time but she's not doing anything herself even though she has abilities that they've already shown that she could use that would do a lot of damage maybe, you know, like things like that. So it's just, it, it doesn't look good to me and it doesn't feel like it's very well written. Um, and so, yeah, I gave it about an episode and a half. And I said, yeah, I'm going to go get me some Boromir and some Mary and some Pippin and Samwise and, and be happy. And, and man, when that cave troll shows up every time, love it. <laughs> Well, you should just, you know, watch The Hobbit instead. I watched the animated one. <laughs> God, why? Jeez. Because I will say, God. that movie is an hour and 17 minute and does a lot better job, I think, at telling it than the Hobbit trilogy did just because it's it's brisk, you know? It's like, we're going here. We're doing this now. You know, it doesn't go too in-depth, but it still hits its themes, especially for it being like a kid-oriented movie. I think that's why I kept it in perspective. I'm like, hey, this isn't, you know... This 1970 kid movie, but I don't know. Um, besides that, Emmy nominees came out. So if you need one more reason to go see Watchmen, it just set the record for a nomination. So, congrats to them. Very well deserved. I hope they win all of them. Though I don't well, think it's can possible. we just tell the audience how you really spent your weekend? Watching. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> quarantined. <laughs> well, no, well, yeah, that too. But I was the. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Chris gave me a fascinating list and Chris pulls lists out of his hat so randomly. And they're always such a joy to behold because a lot of people, you have to, you have to come to appreciate the way Chris's mind works. He has a list of best open world games. Yes. Um, and I think, I think Chris, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, you got it, you have the, the list actually encapsulates about 35 titles. I think but by the time only I was, shared, uh, when I was done, I was like, this could go up to 40. <laughs> yeah. But you only shared uh, one through 10. Yeah. And I'm not, and I'm not going to offer those choices um, okay. at this time, but he got me, he got me thinking about lists yeah. and, you know, compiling lists and just having lists ready in case for what, for some reason we don't have a, <laughs> We don't have a topic to cover. Um, That's fine. Which, which would be, which be, which would be awesome. And he and he had some, she, he had some names in the list that actually quite surprised me. But yeah, uh, yeah I mean, uh, I think everyone could probably figure out what's number one. That's not the the hard part, right? It's figuring out everything else. But yeah, I mean, it was just one of those things. Once I got done with this week's topic, I, I just started thinking, I'm like, man, this really was the generation of the open world game, right? It, it just was for better or for worse. Yeah. yeah. Like I think it started last generation once, uh, oblivion showed up. That was the, the, the early rallying cry. And then by the time Skyrim had showed up, it had really picked up. Right. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, 
it's like just so different. Like when I think of early in that generation where there was a lot more things like I think Bioshock and, um, and uncharted, right. Um, versus where we are now, where even like you look at something like God of war, which I would not call an open world game, but it's clear it was influenced at least partly by open world games in its design. So, uh, it's, it's crazy. You know, I don't, I don't know how long this train will last. Um, because eventually something new will come that drives us towards something else. That's just the way it always works. Right. I, I think, you know, I don't know that, um, I don't know that we'll get, I don't know that we'll ever veer away as a gaming community from the attractiveness of open worlds. True. Because, because, unless they can come up with another type of game that feeds a gamer's desire for adventure, discovery and exploration. Yeah. Content. I mean, it's just, uh, and content. Yeah. 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 But it was just an interesting list. I, I'm, I'm just, um, I'm wondering how many lists like that you have. <laughs> I will. Here are, the top 10, here are the top 10 action RPG games that came out in the months of August. <laughs> no, no, I don't go to that level. But I do, you know, I guess it's the first thing I want to do is when I start to think of something is to put it into a, a frame, an analytical frame that makes it easy for me to digest. So that's why I just started listing them. I was like, let me just think this out. You know, that was how I did it. Um, and then afterwards I went and said, like, what are the best, like, did searches? What are the best, you know, open world games to make sure there weren't things that I was just forgetting that I had played, right? You know, that maybe I, it just wasn't popping off because the mind is getting older and isn't as strong as it used to be. Um, <laughs> but uh, you have to write all these lists down so you don't forget them. Exactly. But and the, you gotta- you gotta lam you gotta laminate them. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I do. Like I get, you know, I get fixated on that, whether it's it's something with data or or it's something like this where I'm like, well, what 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 are mine? Like if I actually step back and I think about this, like it, what would be my top five? Why would it be my top five? You know, and that's what I do. I I like go down and I start to rank things and then I go, Okay, well that's the first set, that's first impression, and then you start to look and you're like, Well, if I'm really being honest though, this should be higher, I think you know, and, and then you just adjust it until it feels right. Indeed. Yeah. Bring, keep, Hey, keep the list coming, Chris. That's all there I got to say. There you go. Um, <laughs> yeah, besides that, I was in quarantine, so that was fun. Still in quarantine, still haven't gotten my result back, but that's fun. Really? Yeah. So that's a day late. Yeah, at least. Two you, days, I think. How are they? How are they getting back to you? Was it through a portal system or are yeah, they calling that's, you? that's what they gave me. They gave me a portal system okay. to to go into. Through, at, is so. it through Piedmont? No, it's through okay. some diagnostic lab. They gave me the card for. So okay, I don't know. Uh, did they swab you? They did, man. It was felt did weird. They go, did they go in deep? <laughs> <laughs> they didn't go way too deep. It wasn't like I was like, whoa, that's the sinus. It was yeah. more of just like this weird sensation because she was counting down from 10 as she just kept circling my nose. You know, did she did she buy you a drink first? Did she? Yeah. But um, yeah. Yeah. So in case listeners, um, don't worry. I, I'm I would say I feel at this point 90 percent certain that if somehow I have COVID that I am not showing symptoms. I guess anything could change, but basically my neighbor got 
uh, infected and I had at least had a couple of brief interactions um, between her, like when I was taking Penny out and things like that or taking the trash out. So I don't know. I just figure, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty loud voice on, on this and trying to do what we can to contain it. So I, I just decided, Hey, do the right thing and see if you qualify for a test. I did. And then afterwards say, okay, I'm just going to stay in for the weekend and that will be that. And you know, either I'll get a result by Friday or else I'll be like, well, by your guidelines, 10 days, if I don't have a fever, or anything, <laughs> then I should be okay. Right. So hopefully I, Oh darn. Right. Chris has to quarantine. He must be miserable. <laughs> yeah. It seemed to work nice for me. For, I don't know. Well, I guess there is a game that came out today. I could start playing. So, um, which one was that? One that we will talk about in the news. It's in early access. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Started yeah. today. That's right. I forgot. Mm-hmm. Uh, John, that. did you do anything exciting? Um, Clarissa's brother uh, came down for a visit on Saturday. Cool. And he has this. Uh, he has this big. He has this big water blow up slip and slide thing. I mean, it raises up four feet and it's got these, it's got these, uh, um, water sprays that go throughout. It's almost like the kind of thing you'd see at a birthday party. Yeah. So he loaded up in his truck, he brought it down here and you know, the nieces and, and Aiden, um, you know, played in the front yard and he actually, he actually bought it, which was you know a pretty good idea. He actually bought it for the purpose of renting it out. Huh. Uh, for birthday parties, but then COVID, uh, <laughs> that sucks. So, you know, and plus, you know, <laughs> you know, you find stuff out later on while you can rent it out. You also have to have insurance on it just yeah. in case you know, yeah. all that stuff goes down. But so we spent the, we spent a, a hot Saturday outside social distancing, you know, with, with, with family. Um, and then, uh, Sunday, nothing much. So, um, you know, I was trying to get into the, um, topic at hand, um, just wasn't able to do it as effectively as I normally would. Uh, <laughs> are you saying you're not 10 minutes from being the game? Oh man, I'm, I'm nowhere near it. I'm probably <laughs> 10 minutes in. <laughs> <Oof>. <laughs> I'm a few hours in, but that's, but you know, uh, so yeah, I'm, uh, it's because you admitted the truth when I told you I had platinum that you're like, well, he's got this. <laughs> no, well, kinda that, I mean, that did take some pressure off, but, um, what, what happened was I started tinkering with the, uh, elite controller that I got Yeah, you and, did. and, um, I started messing around. I, I remember when we covered Sekiro, Sekiro that my frustration with the game was not the game itself. It was the Xbox controller. Hmm. Because if you recall, Chris, you played it on PlayStation and those, and those shoulder buttons are a lot friendlier for hmm. blocking and attacking than the, well, at least for me, my hands just don't work yeah. on the Xbox controller that way. The, 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 the tra- traversal from the trigger to the, to the bumper is very awkward on the Xbox controller for me personally. Mm-hmm. So with this new elite controller, I was able to um, 
take the attack and block buttons over to the under paddles. That's why I did too when I got it on PC. Yeah, and I was just using it to experiment, and then I got sucked into it. So <laughs> that's awesome. I can tell you, I can tell you, I beat that troll much quicker than I did before. There you go. You're evolving. <laughs> You're evolving. So I kind of got. Yeah, I kind of got sucked into Sekiro, so I'm I'm kind of playing that right now. And sweet, um, I'm I forgot how much I really love that game, despite how much it kicks my butt. It's a fantastic game. It is a very very rewarding game to play. Yes, it is, but also frustrating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, if that's it, you want to do this topic? Yeah, I can't wait. I want to hear about it. Oh, okay. I'll spoil it for you. <laughs> this is where I tell you it's a spoiler cast. Tell me the ending. Right. All right. Let's do it. The topic of discussion for this week. Ghost of Tashima! That's the noise that they make when I'm killing them. It sounds beautiful. It does. So just so just for the point of discussion, and just to clarify, Tsushima is a type of raw fish. I believe it's an island, John. <laughs> okay, cool. Cool. That was gonna be my second guess. Uh-huh. I believe it's an island. You can go there if you want. Well, not right now. We can't go there right now. But maybe so, uh, one day we can go there. So, Chris, there were um, there were concerns that this game was going to be coming out too soon after The Last of Us Part Two. Yeah. Um, seems like that's not the concern. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. But it seems like those concerns were unfounded. I wonder if your um, if your presentation today, if you will, will explain a lot of the reasons why that was an unfounded worry. Oh, I don't know. Um, Not I, I was you. never, I was never really worried, just because of our current circumstance. I was like, anyone who has a PlayStation right now that just loves single player games, right, action games, there was never a worry in my mind that they were going to just gobble this up, right. Like as long yeah. as it didn't come out like pre reviews and it just be fours and five somehow, which would have blown my mind, right? For that mm-hmm. to be the case, uh, it, there wasn't a worry because well, so yeah, we've we've spoken about this. I feel like even back when I was a host, um, that July is just the ripe time of year every year for Sony or Microsoft to put something big out, and they never do it. Right. Yeah. And it's more yeah, true this I, year than ever. Yeah. I totally agree with you. It's, it's such a dry period. Yeah. That, you know, I, I'm hoping that after this, mm-hmm. not just PlayStation, but other studios are, are, are looking at this month, you know, and not just this month, but August as well going, you know what? Um, people are hungry for content. Like, um, this is when Watch Dogs Legion, if it was possible, because I want to presume that, you know, the reason it's coming out in October is just because they're like, make it a fall game um, or, and, and all that. Like, but if it was possible to get that game out right now, 
that game should be out right now because it would perform 10 times better than it's probably going to perform uh, in the middle of October, right? Yeah. I would think so. I would think so. But yeah, Sucker Punch. It's kind of fitting. They kind of released, a, I mean, unless you want to count Killzone, which I really didn't. Um, they kind of released the first big game on PlayStation 4, I feel like, was Second Son. And uh, now they're closing the door for the Sony studios um, for this generation. It's kind of crazy. It's been seven years, right, since that game. Or <laughs> almost seven years, six and a half, right? Since Second Son? Yeah. Yeah, that's how long. And I guess, you know, they did do the DLC that was pretty pretty extensive, the First Light or whatever it was called. Right. Um, yep. with the girl, which was, I enjoyed that one too. I always liked Sucker Punch. I really liked, uh, Sly Cooper was always fun back in the day. And, um, I mean, yeah, Infamous was my jam. I enjoyed some Infamous. Uh, but yeah, so Ghost of Tsushima, completely new property. Uh, basically you play as Jin Sakai, who is a, uh, samurai lord on the island of Tsushima in feudal Japan, 1274, I believe it is. Uh, and everything seems like it's good and dandy and fine for young Jin until one day you look at the calendar and realize in 1274, that was when the Mongols first decided to invade Japan. Those darn Mongols. They just show up and it never goes well, right? Uh, and very quickly, Jin and all the other samurai in the nation find themselves on a beach ready to defend themselves against, uh, even though I think historians have said this number is exaggerated, uh, like 50,000 Mongols <laughs> uh, with like maybe 5,000 samurai, right? Doesn't go too well for the samurai, unfortunately. Uh, and Jin is left for dead, but he is rescued by a young thief named Yuna who nurses him back tells him that his uncle who is the lord of uh of Tsushima named Lord Shimura has been taken captive by the Mongols leader and imprisoned in the castle and basically Jin is sent on an operation to free his uncle and also free the people of Japan from Mongol rule in order to do so though he can't be the traditional samurai that he's always been taught to be. So he begins to adapt to new techniques, we'll call them, to face the Mongol invasion head on in a way that gives him the upper advantage uh, and slowly becomes a personality that is known as the ghost. Paul Harvey, good day. <laughs> yeah, right. And now you know the rest of the story. Man, you you NPR'd the crap out of that. <laughs> I try. I don't even think he was on NPR. Was he? Um, he was just no, on, he, well, he was a public radio guy, yeah, I think. Yeah, but uh, maybe it wasn't. I don't know. It's been forever. I miss Paul Harvey. Yeah, um, me too. But yeah, uh, besides that, I mean, I think for the most part, this is Sucker Punch looking at not so much like trying to figure out how to transform open world games, but it feels to me a lot of this game is 
them looking at what everyone else has done for the last seven years since their last game, right? And saying, okay, what works, what doesn't work, what can we use? Uh, and trying to make it work within the flow of of their aesthetics. With the chief thing, I think, probably the one thing where you could say, hey, maybe they did go a little bit more than um, than others is the idea of instead of waypoints on this uh, in this game and having like an arrow or compass or something that's just pointing that direction or a dotted line that's saying, hey, this is the path you should follow to get here. Instead, you have... Uh, the ability to set a waypoint and that waypoint influences the wind's direction and that tells you the direction of your quest. So when you're riding on your horse across these beautiful fields of Tsushima, you always uh, are looking at what way the reeds of, of the grass are blowing towards and you know that's where we're heading towards for our destination. Um, but they usually do a little, put a little emblem up there once you get close just so you know exactly where to go. So that's good. What'd you think of that mechanic? I think it's nice. I, I I like it from a natural perspective. There are other things though with it. I kind of wish that like kind of like with Red Dead or Witcher. Um, I want to say Assassin's Creed had this too. The last one, right? And Origins. The idea of once I set that waypoint and if I'm on a road that the horse just follows it, right? I can hold a button or press something to make him just follow it and go. Because I have to be honest, if I, if I had been somewhere, um, on the, on these islands, as I was playing, especially as I got on in the different areas and explored a lot, uh, you know, fast travel is rampant pretty much anywhere that is got a marker that you've been to, you can go to. I, I was using that a lot, you know, just, it just helped, but it is very nice and pretty to look, uh, especially when the music is playing in the background. Hmm. What about you, John? What do you, what do you... Well, that particular part, I thought when I, you know, when I first saw it in the, in the first demo they did, I thought, wow, that's neat. Um, yeah. But as I started to use it um, and I'm a few hours in, so, you know, it, it, it could, it could change. It could improve. My attitude towards it could, could be different. It just felt like, having to constantly swipe up with my thumb yeah, and make sure that my angles was my angle was still right. And sometimes the wind direction is hard to interpret sometimes. Yes. Yes. I will. Especially when you're on the horse riding. Right. Um, I just, I thought it was a cool, fresh look at directional um, GPS. Yeah. But at the same time, it, you know, setting markers and saying that it's 375 meters away <laughs> is still the more practical way to more efficiently get you to point from point A to point B. I like what it's doing. And I, I really thought the idea was very um, wind waker ish, hmm. which, which, which was interesting, you know, cause you know, in the wind waker, you could direct the direction of the wind. It's hmm. not the same exactly, but it has that, it has that feel to it. Um, you know, I've, I've, when I first saw it in, in, in demo, I was like, oh, wow, that's, that, that actually attracted me to the game, mm-hmm. but, it, but it's, but it's application thus far, um, can be a little distracting, not a game breaker so far. It's not something that I'm hating, but that's just my thoughts on it. Yeah. I, I kind of, I kind of agree. Like it would have been better 
while while I appreciate the jester thing, right? I would have just if you're gonna use that mechanic, I would have preferred that it's consistently blowing wind once you set your waypoint, right? Like I should never have to wonder. Let me swipe up. It should just be this is this is the way we're doing because like you know. I think of like evolutions in that, and I think of like Fable was the first one I remember that had like the golden breadcrumb trail to wherever you were going, right? And that was nice because once you said it, it it felt like it matched the aesthetic of the world, right? It, it felt like it fit in the fantasy Fable universe, but at the same time, I always knew where to go, and it was nice because then as I was going down the path to my places. I had no concern about veering left or right and getting lost, right? As soon as, if I saw something that caught my eye, I could go over and explore it, and then I would come back to the path and be like, okay, now we're back on our journey to get there again. Um, and I think you could have had that with, if if the wind was just always blowing and it was a consistent direction once you said it, like where I can go, oh, what's that over there? Um instead of riding over, taking care of it and being like, okay, swipe up again so I know where the hell this thing is now, you know. Right. It, it, it's fine for something that's like the first five or ten hours, but when you're someone like me, and I, I know not everyone's going to do this with this game, but I, I platinumed the game. So I played probably 50 hours here in about a week and a half. That's how long it took me um, to get that plat. Um, so, you know, after when you've been doing it for 30, 40 hours, you're, you're just kind of like, I just want to get to this place. I, I do not care trying yeah. to figure out if I've got the right direction, especially when a mountain comes into play and you're yeah. like, do I need to go up the mountain or do I need to go around the mountain? You know, you're like the wind can't blow through yeah. the mountain, but I don't want to climb. <laughs> Chris, my curiosity on that is, did it get less cumbersome as you explored more of the world and had more fast travel options yeah Did it become less cumbersome yeah i mean it okay. this uh they take a, a lot from the um i want to say not so much the assassin's creed in this but it reminds me a lot of the uh far cry series where you have the various camps that are throughout um, Mongol camps and, and fortresses that are throughout the regions right so pretty much the game is, the map for the game is broken up into three areas that correspond to the three acts of the game, right? And as you explore the world, it's kind of like where you see big black pillars of smoke. That's your indication that there is a Mongol camp or outpost at that point. If you go there, you hit that up, you clear it out, right? You're going to get a bunch of resource, um, a bunch of actually a pretty decent chunk, especially with the fortresses of experience. And most importantly, once you go back to the map, it shows you where the question marks then are for that surrounding area. And once you go to those question marks, those all become fast travel points, right? So hitting up those fox dens whenever I would just come across one or um, or the bamboo strikes or whatever, you know, it became a point where especially later in the game when I was hunting these things for, for trophies and all that, that I could easily consistently fast travel and one thing i will give a lot of credit to sucker punch here because this is not an easy thing to do uh for this generation is for the most part those loads for when you do fast travel are like three to four seconds 
Like nice. that is not true for Assassin's Creed. Uh, <laughs> it was, it, it might be true for Witcher on PC, but mm-hmm. it is definitely not true for Witcher on, um, well, see, on console. <laughs> see, Chris, I read an article saying that they had to lengthen mm-hmm. the load times in order for you, <laughs> in order for you to properly read all the tips and tricks. Oh yeah. Well, that's important. <laughs> which, which just cracked me up. Like <laughs> people are complaining that the load times are so fast cause they can't read the trick, the tips and tricks. I'm like, well, that's a, <laughs> That's, That's a, a class problem for. <laughs> but yeah, um, so, you know, for the most part, it's fun to explore. And I, I have to say the three regions of the game, they each kind of feel distinct, you know, um, the, uh, what you call it? The, the first one is more, I think, foresty with, with hills, um, and, you know, some farmlands, but, uh, like the swamp is in that area, things like that. Then you go to, or no, no, the swamp is in the second area, but there's also a lot more farmland and fields and stuff, um, you know, flatness. And it's really pretty to look at, especially like, you know, you think of, I doubt feudal Japan completely looked this beautiful back then, but, uh, it is for, for their purposes here. It looks very beautiful to come out on these fields with these white, tall reeds that just go for you know feel like they go for three or four miles as you just see them rolling and you're riding through um trying to avoid samurai or i'm sorry mongols that are you know hunting the road right uh and then finally the the last one is the more mountainous region and uh it's pretty much all snow covered so you know traversal is a little bit different there than anywhere else it's probably i will say it's probably my least favorite of the three i you know, snow is, is fun, but, uh, being in it consistently is sometimes a pain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you would know you're from Maryland. Yes. Yeah. I do not miss snow. <laughs> and everyone's like a snow day. I'm like, you guys just don't know. Shut up. <laughs> don't. <laughs> snow comes the ice. <laughs> I'm going to work. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so I guess people were wondering, I think the big interesting of this is we've now had three games in the last couple of years. Well, I guess four, if you count Neo as it got two of them, uh, that are kind of based in the samurai action game, uh, mechanics here. Right. Uh, the other big one, of course, recently being Sekiro. Uh, and people are kind of wondering, like, is just this Sekiro, but easy, um, or is it Assassin's Creed? Because I think a lot of people have been, you know, I I don't know a person who's been paying attention to Assassin's Creed, aka John, uh, for the last <laughs> ten years or so, and not at some point said it would be nice to have a Japan samurai-based <laughs> uh, Assassin's Creed title, right? Um, so I would say to people, this is definitely not a Sekiro or Neo game. It does take one Neo um, thing, which is the changing of stances uh, to to fight enemies. So you basically have four main types of enemies. You have those that are just having swords. You have those that have spears, those that have shields. And then you have heavies, which can be a combination of people, big dudes with axes, or they might um, have a uh, cannon that shoots out fireworks at you. Um and then, of course, you also have like archers and things like that that also show up. But they, you can do whatever the heck you want with them. But when you're facing off against those kinds of people, those are the ones that you have to consistently change your stance when in combat against. 
Otherwise, you're eventually going to get to a point where they just start blocking everything, right? If you if you're lucky, you might get a couple of hits in early uh, based on how they're positioned. But once they actually face you head on, if you're in the sword stance and you're going against some of the spear, they're just going to keep deflecting you. Uh, so you have to consistently watch what is coming at you, hold down the right trigger, and then select the appropriate stance. And the good thing here is it slows down time as you do it. For the most part, I think the system works, but I would also tell people it's not the most overly complicated combat. Um, it kind of reminded me a little bit of Assassin's Creed prior to Odyssey and Origins once I got it built out, but maybe not as good as the systems for Odyssey and Origin. But when it does work, uh, it's it's pretty fun, I think. You know, it, it's cool when you go and you stab a guy with a sword, see the guy coming with the spear, switch over to that defense, deflect his attack like with a perfect parry, and then just drive your <laughs> sword through his throat uh, and watch him fall. And then, you know, uh, watch an archer taking aim as you do this and roll towards him and just cut him right in the stomach you know you feel you feel like that ba samurai right um mm. you feel pretty awesome uh and then later on as the ghost abilities start to come in like smoke bombs and darts and all that it does give you a lot of nice options for for tactics as what you want to do you know if you want to be the guy who sits there and parries dodges and you know uh and just deflects everyone around you with a sword and not deal with that stuff. You can do it and you can do it well and, and get away with it. But on the other hand, if you do, it's kind of like Spider-Man that way, where if you really do look at your full arsenal um, and think about the tactics you have and what is in front of you, you can do so much damage quickly in combination because like all of a sudden you see like those three heavies coming in, drop a smoke bomb. Next thing you know, you're chain assassinating all of them. So they're out of the way. Maybe at this point you notice that the archer is way too far to reach. You take out your bow and arrow or your poison dart and hit him with it. Or maybe there's a dude that's throwing bombs at you, so you just throw a sticky bomb back at him, <laughs> and then you just face the other guys head on. Like You can do that, and when it works, again, I think it's really fun and, and, and great. Um, but on the other hand, there are times where... I do feel like because this game made the decision to not have a lock-on mechanic, it, it it reminded me of like old school Assassin's Creed, not so much in combat, but John, you'll get this. Like I'm trying to just jump to this one little ledge. Instead, I go jumping 15 feet off the, you know, the building. Cause it's the same button thing. It's kind of thing here where like, I see the dude with the sword. That's what I'm adjusting to. And I guess because I don't have the perfect direction on him on my uh, joystick, I'm instead swinging around hanging a guy with, um, with a spear. And, you know, you're like, what the heck? That's not what I'm trying to do right now. And it, it becomes a little bit of a pain because there is one ability that is all about basically keeping your counter up without being hit. And when you lose that because of not something you do, but because of something that the game is kind of trying to guess what you're trying to do, uh, it's kind of infuriating, you know? 
Yeah, I've run into that already with um, the inability to lock on to an opponent, mm-hmm. and sometimes, sometimes the sometimes I'm forced to do a, a lot of ground control, uh, crowd control when it gets really crowded, and when they're all rushing you at one time, mm-hmm. you find yourself trying to go after one person in particular, and like you said, the 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 system thinks it knows what you're trying to do and it just completely kills you. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I've chalked that up to just having to get used to it and getting yeah. better at the game, getting good, so to speak. But according to what you're saying is it's something you just sort of get used to and deal with, but it doesn't necessarily get any better. I think it's, it's fine for... <clears throat> especially the first two regions, basically the enemies in difficulty, they spike um, not so much in the sense of they're overcomplicated, right? But just more so the amount of damage they can do and how fast they can move uh, goes up with every region. And I think, yeah, it's kind of frustrating when you're in those last regions and you're like, I'm the goat. Like this point I've earned the title. I am, I am fully leveled. I have, I have legendary armor on uh, with yeah. all my mystical abilities that you can get in this game that can do great things. And I'm finding trouble at times because not because of something I'm trying to do, but because the game is not making the right call of what I'm trying to do. So I, I I've heard, you know, the developer say, Oh, the reason why we didn't have a lock on, was it would slow you down, right, in terms of the combat. I would rather have the lock on, you know, and I guess maybe that's just because I'm used to it for games like Dark Souls and Sekiro, where, you know, I don't always use the lock on when I'm in Sekiro, but there are specific times I want it on because I'm trying to hit specific areas or do certain things, right? And that's how I feel like it would be nice to have that right click where I can be like, no, I want to make sure I'm hitting this guy in front of me as opposed to just some random guy around me. Um, oh, sure. Yeah. Um, as far as progression in this game, I do like the fact that it, it does give you a nice mix of both worlds, right? Someone can get lost in this world. There is a lot, as I said, it took me 50 hours to platinum this. This is not something that you, you know, this is not like a God of War where, you know, exploring every nook and cranny will take you 25 to 30 hours, right? Um, otherwise, it takes you 10 to 12. This is an instance where if you want, yeah, you can get a sizable chunk of time invested going out there and doing various activities. And the good thing is those activities all have rewards to them. They seem so small at first and like you don't feel like you're getting a ton of experience from them unless you're doing the main quest, right? But as you all of a sudden start to rack up your bamboo strikes and, you know, see your resolve go up or you find hot springs and your health goes up, right? Uh, The fox is where you're um, getting charms and then eventually uh, leveling up those charms or the shrines to unlock new uh, charm slots, right? You start to see patterns and things you can do for cool combinations that say, hey, man, you, you're taking the time to do this. Um, you 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 will have the full ability to make something that feels distinct to your play style. But on the other hand, um, 
it was a game where I felt I had unlocked a ton of stuff in that first act, even before I explored the whole region. And I'm sat there and was thinking, I was like, man, if someone really just focused on like the core of core things, right? They don't, and they're like someone who is a parent and has a child and therefore they don't have tons upon tons of time to game. They just want to play and enjoy this and get through the story. Like you could do the main side quests, aka the ones for your uh, your friends um, that you make throughout the story. You could do the main story and you could do like some of these mythic things and then just kind of collect the little side question marks as you come across them. Uh, throughout the world and you could probably beat this game in about 17 to 20 hours and I think that having that balance right for people is a really nice thing because like I think of back when I was dogging days gone what was it last year my main complaint wasn't so much that there was stuff to do it was more the fact that I felt like I was doing the exact same storyline on the main story for so much longer than it needed to be right to tell that story it felt like it was like hey just cut all this other stuff out make it optional and let's just focus on you know what what's going on with these guys and with Jin's story it does feel like that when you're doing those main missions you can feel things are moving forward right and then it's the choice of the player when do I actually finally take that next big step and and see where it leads to um Versus do I go get lost for five hours just looking for foxes to pet? <laughs> and they are cute. <laughs> Those foxes are the cutest thing ever. <laughs> but yeah. Um, I think the story itself, without really spoiling too much, I I think if you're someone who goes and, and you are, especially if you're a fan of like samurai film um, or or even like just westerns and stuff where you know a little bit about the history, um, I, I don't think most of it will surprise you, but you know, just because you don't subvert expectations doesn't mean you don't tell your story well. And I do think the strongest point to this, um, at times is, is the fact that, you know, the voice acting is pretty solid and, the stories themselves with your main characters and especially between uh Jin and uh I would say his family and and those relations uh they feel right they feel powerful they feel like something that belongs in this um and I think you know it it was one of those things that definitely was a driving factor for me as I got deeper and deeper in the game I I did want to see how those resolve out um, on the other hand, I think there's a lot of side content in this game that really does, on the other hand, feel like if you, you're seeing these quest markers out there and they're just called tales of Toshima, right? The, these quest lines, like where you'll see an icon and you go and there's a woman crying and something or a guy crying. There's, there's usually someone always crying. Um, I feel like those are where maybe we could have trimmed some fat because that's where <laughs> it feels like it just kind of gets into repetitive themes, especially after the first act. And you kind of start to notice a lot of things are repeating um, the same the same process, I guess. Like, you know, they seem to always kind of go around the same thing. You're going to ride up. Someone's going to have an issue. 
you're going to have to go somewhere else and then do something and there'll probably be some kind of twist to it. Um, and because it's the old times somewhere along the way, someone's probably going to die and you're not going to care that much because you know, you don't know (laughs) these people. Uh, and then you go on to the next one. Look, there's another person and they're crying and now you got to run and go get someone or something, but someone's going to die again. (laughs) Here we go again. Like that, that kind of became something that I really noticed. Um, as I went on in the game. Right. Um, so that would be maybe, that's why I say like stick to those main story side missions, uh, mainly those with Yuna, um, uh, the dude from the Dharma initiative, um, (laughs) greatest, greatest realization was first time I was, I was like, what are we at the swan hatch? Um, no, you, that voice is just, if you've seen that show as many times as we have, you like, I know that voice. Yes. As soon as I heard it, I was like, you don't have the right haircut, sir. (laughs) Yeah. Where's your jacket? (laughs) Um, my, I would say the one big drawback in this game and John, you know me, so this won't surprise you. Uh, look, I like stealth. I think the stealth itself is okay. Um, I I don't like, you know, if you're going to do this video gamey thing where, I can press a button and all of a sudden highlight everyone around me. It would be really nice to be able to track them after I do that highlight. <laughs> if, if you're going to go the far, far cry route, go the full far cry route would be my advice. Um, because it does become a pain where you're, especially early on you, when you have that ability activated, uh, that highlights enemies, you can't keep it on without moving extremely slow and even once you do have a upgrade that lets you move a little bit faster it's not that great um and the part for me that's infuriating with it isn't so much that it's there it's that i'm not a huge fan of consistently having a game that says build your player and play style how you want to be and then throw in consistently. I mean, I, if it was one or two, I wouldn't have a problem as much, but consistently throw in stealth fail missions where, you know, I can't you, I can't even like some of them, you can't even quietly kill people. You know, it's just, it's like, just don't be detected is what they're saying. Uh, and you would have these instances where you feel like you're, you're doing your best shot, but because you can't highlight people, all of a sudden some random guard comes out of nowhere (laughs) that you didn't clock that was on the other side, right. Or didn't know that they had started to turn around and, and sees you and you're like, well, I can't kill them. Can't do anything about it. Uh, (laughs) and now I've got to restart the whole mission. The, the, the checkpoints for those are pretty terrible. Like you're restarting from the start of the stealth area. Um, I'm just not, I'm not a huge fan of that. Like I love stealth in the sense of Metal Gear Solid where it's like approach this, how you want, do you want to just kill everyone or do you want to silently knock people out and try to get them evacuated? Right. Do you want to spare as much life as possible? Same with like dishonored dishonored doesn't tell you, how to play the level. It just tells you what the consequences are for killing people in the level. Right. Um, I would rather you, if you're going to give me this, let me approach the situation, how I'm going, because they're like, we can't alert this because it will get 
all these soldiers on it. So I'm like scouring and looking at it around. I'm like, I could take this. I can take all these people. They will not beat me. <laughs> I am a God at this game. Uh, and you know, I would just get into these moments where after sometimes I would get right through them and it wouldn't be a problem. And the other times I would get caught and maybe I just wasn't seeing the path. And then I start to get angry and it's just infuriating me more and more because I feel like I'm, I'm having my time wasted and I just want to get past it. I just want to get back to having fun and doing cool stuff. So did you, were you consistently doing the stealth or were you choosing to play most of the time the other way? It depended what it was early on. I definitely was playing more being what the idea of a samurai was, right? Always being confrontational. Like I would do the fun thing where you just go and call out everyone <laughs> challenge yeah. me and, and then just cut everyone down that came at me. Uh, but like, yeah, as I got later on, you know, I would do a mix, right? Like I would, I would do the thing where I would come in and say, okay, let me look at the area real quick. All right. Let me go ahead and just quickly with my bow and arrow, take out these, these arrow guardsmen that are up high. Right. So they're not a threat anymore. And then maybe I might look in the area and say, okay, these guys are intense. Let me sneak in and, and quickly, you know, assassinate them. But then, you know, eventually if I get to a point where there's only two or three left, then it's like, yeah, bring it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, so I, I don't know. I think like to me, that was one of the things that just was frustrating to me. Um, over time like was just how many of those and there are also some um some places when you're when you're liberating them they're specifically uh even though they're not failed they're they're basically you have to play them in stealth style um because otherwise you're really going to make it a, a hard thing for yourself to to overcome them and i was like is this going to be the exact same scenario every time i go to they're like their farms is what they are in the game and they're always like four people being held. And basically the moment they know that you're there, someone is running to kill that person that's being held hostage. And the other part that kind of sucks with it, uh, even if you're quietly killing people and say like you get into the room without being seen, uh, if there's like a dog or a person in the vicinity that you have not killed, you can't free the person and rescue them. So that got annoying too, where sometimes I'd be like, where the heck is this guy? <laughs> I'm just trying to find him and, and end him uh, so I can move on to the next thing, you know. Well, I'm sorry you hated this game. <laughs> I it, it definitely <laughs> was at times like where I, I would say, like I said, there are parts to it that I really did enjoy. Um, the story being the big thing and the main missions, um, just going around the world the way that the game uses um, its its little side question mark items in a way that do feel meaningful versus like, say, old school Assassin's Creed where it's just like, collect these scrolls. Why? We don't know. Um, you know, and those are kind of in there, like the banners and um, Mongol artifacts, but they're just things that you come across randomly as you're playing the game, right? Like, there's no... I think like there's maybe 80 artifacts in the game. And I think if you're caring about platinuming, you need 20 to, to get that trophy for it. So 
you know, it's not like you're going to have to find every single nook and cranny thing to, to move on from that versus yes, you need to get all the bamboo strikes and things like that. If you want to get the plaque. So how, t- how tough was the trophy? Uh, platinum trophy. Not hard. Uh, uh, the only part that was hard was I missed a quest and it was no longer on my map. <laughs> um, Ooh. or I guess it never was. So I had to go look it up online. Um, and then once I knew where the location was, I went there and the guy was there, did the quest plat. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. But besides so that, you- it's not hard. Nice. Yeah. Um, John, are, are, are you, uh, where would you say you're enjoying it at this point? Um, the, the, you, you gave me the recommendation of going ahead and playing the mission with, um, the lost guy. I forget yeah. his name. It's, uh, um, something. And it was just, it was, I was really bored. Um, it is boring starting out because he kept ha- every time I did something with him, he told me to meet me at his dojo. I'm like, why can't you just talk to me now? <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> I have to go all the way back to the dojo. And I know what, I know why that's designed that way. I guess it's like, well, you don't have to go back and talk to him immediately. You can go do other stuff. So yeah. I get that, I, I suppose. But um, one of the, I mean, just the the thing with it, has been grabbing me and it just hasn't grabbed me yet. Um, I don't say that that's unusual for an open world game. There's plenty of games that I've turned out absolutely loving that did take a while to grab me. I would, I would, our origins um, took a while to, to get, get its hooks into me. Yeah. You were resistant to that first. You were like, mm, yeah. Fish and that water. was Assassin's Creed. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but I ended up absolutely adoring that game. But so I don't take I don't take the fact that it hasn't grabbed me yet Mm. as any sign of problem. I mean, you know, an open world game, that's always the challenge. You know, you have to do you for a game that's 70 that that can be upwards of 50 hours. Sometimes you have to take the time to set up its world properly. And that's just the reality of it. Um, Some some games do it better than others. And you know, some do it horribly. It's just, uh, I guess it's a combination of the fact that it's not grabbing me as much with the mechanical frustrations of, um, of the GPS system and the, and the, and the combat, you know, it's, it's just going to take me a while to master it. I do plan to get to it. I do plan to be able to give you my thoughts before the end of the year. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, Ghost of Tsushima is officially John's Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a game I was very much excited for, um, but you know, on on the heels of spending such a long time in a in another game, yeah, you know, it just it's it's sometimes as a as a person and you know as a person who does this from week to week, it's when you know someone else is covering it, sometimes you want to step back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why whenever you've in the last couple of weeks been like, oh, I can do it. I'm like, you go right ahead, buddy. Yeah, you got exactly. This. I love you. Exactly. <laughs> you want to play what next week? Yeah. Sure, go ahead, man. Go right ahead, man. <laughs> Where are you? I'll be at the bar. <laughs> Wait, those are closed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> damn it. <laughs> yeah, um, 
I, w- I will say I had that kind of initial thing too, what you're talking about, John. And I think once you get, especially once you get your stances, I think you'll, you'll, I think, I think you will smile more on this, um, as you go. Oh, one thing, one of the best photo modes ever. One. Yeah, that's what I hear. Uh, I mean, like I, I've been posting them to our Twitter feed here left and right. And I've just, I've been amazed with some of the other things I've seen out there. Um, other thing. Uh, another patch that I'd like to see for the game. So you can, right now, you can take out a flute and it changes the weather, right? Like, you start just being able to make it where it's sunny, but throughout the game you find these uh, these crickets, and if you get a certain amount, you unlock another song, and then you can make it rainy or foggy or whatever. Um, I never really did any of that. I would just make it sunny because I was trying to find things. I didn't really care if anyone saw me because I was a golden god with a sword. But (laughs) I would like to see them add the ability to uh, kind of use that to be able to change the time of day. Because for me, the problem wasn't that it was raining the most. The problem is, is that it's at night and I kind of would like to be able to see my surroundings a little bit more um, for what my objectives were, right? Like it's kind of... really weird that we're in 2020 and there isn't some sort of fast forward time feature um a la assassin's creed or witcher yeah i found that to be the case too where you know everybody's talking about how gorgeous this game is and the only times i was sort of taken aback with its beauty was when it's the height of the day yeah or at dusk when the orange sun is coming through the trees and things like that. So, you know, I, 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 I take it for what it's worth. It's a pretty game, but when it wasn't bright and sunny, I had a hard time seeing things. Yes. I mean, to be honest, maybe I need to turn off HDR. <laughs> or just adjust your brightness, right? I, it's, it's, I've, I tried not to get too uh, liberal with it. Mm. You know me, <laughs> but um, yeah, I might go ahead and, and give that a shot. But it almost has, I don't know if you agree, it almost has Breath of the Wild vibes as it, in regards to its art design. Yes. And that's why when, when you get to that second act, especially, I mean, uh, and you're riding across those fields on your horse, um, it it's powerful stuff. Like It feels like you're on Epona and you're just going and looking for, you know, your next great adventure um wherever it takes you right because those are really nice moments too because there's not necessarily always something right in your vicinity that as clear as day an objective you need to do um you know they they let those fields be open and kind of beautiful and usually they have music come in so it, it, those are the moments i think when the game really pulls in when you've seen people especially like on our discord that will now hate me when i don't give this game a 10 um, like, you know, yeah, that's why I think it's pulling them in. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, will Chris's Richard be flaccid this week? <laughs> I guess you're, you're probably not ready to give a Richard, right? Oh, not. A, it would be silly for me to, I mean, there's no way you susma. Um, yeah. uh, mine, I, I kind of thought if I was just going off the main story and not looking at everything else, I think it would be a nine just because like i said that story really does it has a and it has a moment too that man it it hits hard and it's mm. 
I was like, dang, you sucker punch. And I'm sure everyone who's gone <laughs> far in that knows what it is now. But, I mean, yeah, it, it's a love letter to to Japanese samurai uh, films and themes that you generally see. And I, I, I think that is the high point of this game. Uh, that and its aesthetic and its music, right? Um, but, yeah, the smaller issues, main, mainly with not having everything feel always as great as it could um, and having issues of the lower content really does feel repetitive. Um, I would say there wasn't something in the game that compared to all those other ones I ranked, like a lot of them near the top of open world games that made me go, this is really pushing us somewhere. It feels like instead this is a game built on those mechanics from this generation um, for better or worse. And Mm -hmm. I would, I would probably right now I'm thinking an eight is probably what I would say. Maybe an eight five. um, If I thought more about it, but eight feels right for me. And I I just want to reiterate that means great in my book. Like I do think that's a great game and it's definitely worth your time. So Make sure you know what means it, it sucks. <laughs> it's not a 10. You gave Last of Us Part 2 a 9.5. We didn't like what they if did I, in that game. <laughs> if I missed it, I apologize. Did you play any of it in Kurosawa mode? I did not. I never really felt the desire. I guess there are duels that unlock eventually. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought about turning it on from there. But I felt fine with where I was. <laughs> I looked at it in game and it was, it was really, it was really cool mode, but it's, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't my preferred mode, at least until I might start doing it when I get more comfortable with the mechanics. But, um, I thought it was a neat mode to have for mm. sure. Yes. I agree. Well, that's cool. Mm. Uh, good review, sir. Thanks yeah. for, uh, thanks for, uh, playing the crap out of that game. I had <laughs> literally nothing did. else to do, especially once I got quarantined. <laughs> Absolutely. Like I woke up that Saturday and I'm like, okay, we're going to knock 90% of this out. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and you, and you, uh, you did 150%. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh, you got, uh, you want to do some news, I guess. Absolutely. Okay. Hot off the press and straight to your ears. Weekly games chat presents the news. So, Chris, the first one is a... <laughs> There's a nice long pause in there. That's great. <laughs> Was there any first news this week, a... John? <laughs> not much. Not much. Yeah. Um, just a few odds and ends we need to cover. Okay. So, I think I think um, if you'd like, I can do... I can, I can just go first unless you want to read these bullets one at a time or I can just knock them out. Uh, go for it, man. I've, I've right. just, I just talked for like an hour, so... <laughs> So everything uh, announced uh, at the Xbox showcase is uh, starting with Halo Infinite gameplay was revealed and kicked off with a trailer giving us a new look into the world and gameplay. And the footage showed a freely explorable Halo ring that is seven times larger than the previous two Halo games combined. In addition, Master Chief was has access to a grapple hook. That's new in the video game industry. 
Uh, we also mm-hmm. get our first look at the banished, uh, the game's antagonist. Uh, State of Decay 3 made a surprise appearance and was announced with a CGI trailer featuring a woman traversing snowy terrain. The trailer ends with her confronting a zombie deer. Hmm. Just what we need in 2020 are zombie deers. Those are important. Yeah. Uh, d- d- uh, not not to not to go on a tangent, but Chris, speaking of zombie deers, did you hear about the human-sized bats in the Philippines? No. There was That's actually scary. a picture of one. Hmm. Human size. Human. Now, luckily, luckily they're vegetarians, but so are bears. Um, <laughs> Forza Motorsport has been revealed with t- uh, Turn 10 leading the charge. It's currently in early development, but will run at 4K, 60 frames per second with ray tracing tech. Uh, the first trailer was shown in engine. Look pretty. Uh, rare, uh, as I recall, Chris, this one pr- particularly got your uh, got your attention. Rare gave us mm-hmm. a glimpse of Everwild. Mm-hmm. The game is set in a magical world where you play as an eternal and build bonds with nature. And Chris, you feel free to interrupt me at any time if you want to uh, jump on something. Just keep going. We'll get it to at the end. Tell me why is a story-driven game from Don't Not Entertainment, the creators of Life is Strange. The game will launch on August 27th and you play as twins Tyler and Allison who share a supernatural bond. Yeah. The game will be over three chapters and will explore social themes to include trans experiences. Ori and the Will of the Wisps will be getting a visual and performance upgrade to be played on Xbox Series X. The Outer Worlds Peril on Gorgon DLC has been revealed and will explore new storylines within the Outer Worlds universe. The DLC will be, will be released on September 9th. Grounded, the new trailer from Obsidian, has been released in early access on July 28th. Grounded is a co-op survival adventure where players are shrunk down to the size of insects. They must work together to return to normal size, eat your heart out, Rick Moranis. Obsidian also provided a teaser trailer for a new FPS RPG called Avowed, which has been compared to games like Skyrim. Mm. The game comes from the team who developed Pillars of Eternity. Psychonauts 2 is coming from Double Fine with a release date, well, with a release year of 2021. After the presentation, uh, they announced that it was a delay to 2021. Stalker 2 has been uh, revealed. Mm-hmm. Um, the game is a post-apocalyptic shooter in the vein of Metro, uh, in the Metro games. The game has an immersive sim style on, on the world of post-disaster Chernobyl. Mm-hmm. Uh st- <laughs> I'm loving these. <laughs> uh, Steam World creators have announced The Gunk, a 3D action <laughs> adventure, and there is not a steam-powered robot in sight. You explore and solve puzzles on a planet covered in toxic sludge. So it takes place on Earth. Um, and, f- and well, I, I won't say finally because we got a couple of things that I that I overlooked. Let me just get to those. Um. We are Tetris Effect uh, connected yeah. was announced for um, for Xbox. Um, the Medium, which uh, I am surprised I overlooked this because because of my love of survival horror, this looked really cool. That it's was dual, the most shocking thing. Yeah. <laughs> Do Holiday 2020. Um, the Medium is the next project from horror experts Bloober team. Um, this in particular, I'm reading directly from uh, IGN's website. Uh, as the as a psychic medium, you'll investigate a dark mystery and uncover some disturbing secrets set across two realities 
there will be puzzles alongside encounters with sinister spirits. Uh, Chris, this actually looked particularly cool watching it side by side. Hmm. Um, and then um, Crossfire X, I think I, I also overlooked. Uh, Smilegate Entertainment's previously PC-only series comes to Xbox in 2020 as Crossfire X and the game showcase offered a cinematic trailer for the campaign, which is developed by Control and Alleywake Studio remedy and then finally and what uh many people were predicting and at the same time hoping for fable was announced with a teaser trailer and the game is being developed by playground games and appears to be a reboot of the fantasy series in a um mmo style Uh, it's been not it's not been completely clear if it'll be mmo but uh, i do think it will be like it seems like I would be willing to bet with Fable, Halo, and also Forza, right? That these, I wouldn't say truly games to service, but I think you will have like, that is the platform for it. And kind of like an MMO, right? Or like a Destiny, mm-hmm. you'll, uh, you will get like a seasonal release that you can, that I'm guessing if you have Games Pass, you just get, right? Or else if you're just someone who buys the game, you can choose to buy the next thing. Like, I, I yeah. wouldn't even imagine, um, it wouldn't shock me if whenever Forza Horizon comes back, that that's how they do it. Like, they just go, Forza Horizon Japan is out. And then, you know, this year on that engine, we're doing this update that everyone just gets that update, you know, in terms of its ability to do graphics or whatever. But if you want, you can also buy the new expansion, which is, you know, Africa or whatever, right? I could see them taking that kind of stance with that. And I think that's how Halo is going to be going forward where it's like, this is Halo infinite. Uh, we're going to add things as we see fit. And when we're ready to make a new Halo story or whatever, we'll get to that. But you know, they, they know what the bulk of people are there for when it comes sure. to Halo. Right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And Chris, I think you would agree with this. Um, Cause we've talked about it. The value proposition of this presentation while they were they were there to talk about the games, this was a value proposition on the next generation. Yeah, where Game Pass is the best deal in video games, yes. and I think they made that case. I really, everything. You know, if you, if you think about it in those terms, everything that they mentioned and, and everything that we might have overlooked, everything they mentioned in that presentation is yeah, quote unquote, free to you. Yeah. If you have Xbox games pass, they're basically saying, I mean, like it, I get it. The hardcore gamer, maybe they're not as big on it right now. Um, but what I'm thinking is like, if I'm, (laughs) if I'm a high school student and especially I think of the fact that I would be amazed if these Lockhart reason, you know, rumors at this point are not true. Um, and you say, I can buy a console starting this fall into next year um, for $250. And then for $9 a month, right, I can get all of these games as they're coming out. I don't know how games were for you when you were in high school, John, but before I had a job, it was like I got (laughs) games at my birthday and I got them at Christmas. And that was why you wanted RPGs because it was going to take you 100 hours and you had the time. You know, yep. you want sports games for those reasons. You yep. had the time. Um, That's for sure. So, you know, to think of that now that like basically they are 
just showing how much this is the Netflix of gaming. I, I think one thing we didn't cover destiny Two coming to games pass in September and you get, um, free upgrade to the uh, expansion in November. So, Hey, Stadia, you're dead. Um, <laughs> you, know, you just took their biggest thing. I, I know people were kind of critical on this and I, I can understand it because I think the hardcore, the, sorry. The, the, the hardcore wants Microsoft to come out and play the game that Sony is right. They want where I think Xbox was in 2016 when they first announced the Xbox one X where it was like, look at this. We have the best graphics and everything. And that's one component of this. But I, I've i just kind of come to the reasoning where, while that is definitely a component to Microsoft thing, they understand where the money is. I mean, like, they have what? They have 10 million subscribers right now, right, on Games Pass. 10 million as of right now, a year and a half in. And I'm just thinking, if over the next generation, where they're playing on the best box or they're playing on their PCs um, or they're playing, you know, on the Lockhart, it's it's like if they get that number to 20 or 30 40 50 million it's so much money like right now just off that revenue that they're generating off those 10 million that's a over a billion dollars a year right now and as they get more people that is more money that they can go take and just say hey let's make game pass something that just pays for itself right we made a billion dollars off of this we're going to go out to these developers this year and say Oh, hey, you know how Watchdog Legions only sold about two million, which isn't terrible, right? And it's been out for six months. We'll give you three million dollars, or or I guess like ten million dollars, that probably would be way more than you would have earned in the next seven months on this game on sales, and bring it to Games Pass for a year. And they're gonna keep doing this, and the more they build it, and the more they get more people in line on it. It's going to be just like how Netflix was when it first came out, where it becomes this monster that it's really hard for other businesses to contain with, right? Um, so for whatever criticisms that maybe everything you saw here didn't look the greatest or or wasn't the most you know thing that sold you that this has got the greatest graphics or whatever, I don't think that's what they're worried about right now. They're worried about one thing and one thing only, Games Pass. That's what they want to sell you. Yeah, for sure. You, you're spot on on that. And I will say, um, going back to what they initially, you know, what a lot of people showed up to this presentation to see Halo Infinite, you know, I, it was, it was, I don't know when you saw it, but I was immediately taken back to the original game. Yeah. Um, and that was effective for me. Yeah. That, that I, was like, yeah, this is, this is nice. I felt like I was in, I, I, I felt like I was a freshman back in college. Yeah, the moment he yeah. stepped off that uh, that uh, what you call it, the ship or whatever, and and walked down, I was like, I don't know what this is gonna be. Um, we'll we'll see, you know. Um, but the last thing I was not concerned about was graphics. Uh, you know, <laughs> with this game, I was concerned about the gameplay. Um, but that said, Halo did have some drama, John. Tell me about this drama. <laughs> Uh, according to 343 Studios, Halo Infinite is meant to be the new starting point for new fans, which is why it was never called Halo 6. That said, fans were very vocal allowing uh, following the reveal, citing bad graphics and pop-in. 
According to developers, the demo was a work-in-progress build running on a PC with the equivalent of specs to the Xbox Series X. According to GM Aaron Greenberg, he says, quote, Listen, we're in the middle of a global pandemic. It's July. We're far away from the holiday. You're seeing a work-in-progress game. It's very hard to show the full power and graphic fidelity of the Xbox Series X. Uh, we'll be able to deliver for you over Steam or Stream. Uh, go back and look at it in 4K 60. Many have pointed to the flat lighting and low resolution textures and screenshots. Like I think the most distinct one is there's an elite kind of figure that's running at you. And originally he has armor, but Master Chief shoots that helmet off his head. And when he gets in right close, someone screen capped that and it looks like a ape from Planet of the Apes, but like <laughs> 1970s Planet of the Apes. Um, and you know, yeah, it doesn't look great, but I'm like, I don't know for me, it's just not what I was focused on with that. I, I, yeah, I me mean, either. I, I get it. Like, yeah, it would be nice if it was, you know, the, the look of, of God of War's reveal or something on that point. But I'm like, God of War is not an open world shooter. That's trying to have always 60 frames per second fidelity. Right. Like I, the idea of being in Halo and it's completely open world and it's in 4K and ray tracing, that's that's enough for me. I don't need everything to be the highest uh, res for that. I need it to be that it has great AI, uh, great feeling guns, and fun combat. You know, as long as I have that, I'm, I'm going to play it. I'm going to enjoy it probably. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm with you there. Plus, you know... It, I'm not trying to be a fanboy, but there's six months to go here. Mm-hmm. Maybe five months, depending on, you know, games going gold, things like that. But uh, there's there's still six, about six months to go to polish this thing up. And I'd rather them, I'd rather a game look like this and look better at launch than have the watchdog scenario where everybody yeah. looks at this game at E3 going, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And then it all completely gets down down resed or yeah you know graphics are downgraded and everybody blows their top over it i mean yeah we, we you know? I, I just don't when i hear complaints about graphics from the internet especially after people freaking out on a puddle from spider-man i don't hold yeah. weight to them i'm sorry absolutely like yeah you are you are a, a minority voice in that as far as i'm concerned people did not care spider-man is one of the best games of the generation uh, and sure. I didn't care that the puddle didn't reflect the way it was shown in the original trailer. Same with Witcher three way back in the day. Um, Speak for yourself, Chris. <laughs> I think like it, if there's only one criticism I have in all this right now, and I get it, like Phil was pretty honest in the week leading up to it saying like, this is a showcase about games. This is what we are talking about today. We are talking about the games of the Xbox ecosystem. Right. And that doesn't just mean Xbox series X. Right. Um, if there's a criticism, it, it goes both ways. It goes to Sony and it goes to Microsoft. We're, we're about to be in August here. We don't know release dates. We don't know prices. Um, and it feels like everyone is just playing this game of chicken. Uh, you know, Microsoft seems almost like they're like, no, we're, we're going to go after you. You go ahead. Um, because you know, we've, we've played that game before and we don't feel like we need to do that because we can be fluid with our pricing to be whatever it needs to be. Um, someone's eventually going to blink. I would just say stop and believe in your system and believe in your marketing, your design. And if you've done your homework on it, 
it'll work out for you, you know, because I would rather you just present your vision and move on. Like say what you will about Don Matrick and how terrible the Xbox one X or the Xbox one was at launch. At least he had the gall to go out there and be like, yeah, we're putting connect in this thing and it's four fifty on, on, you know, day one and not care what Sony was going to about to do to them. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I give props to him on that. Got to give him the gold for that. Yeah. Yeah. Also avowed <laughs> before we move on avowed John. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's, I mean, yeah. I mean, the concept in its, of itself is cool. You, you know, you just didn't see that much of it, which why yeah. would we, it's an early, you know, idea, but I'm uh, I think, <clears throat> I think obsidian is going to turn out to be um, Xbox's gold mine studio. Yes. Yeah. It seems like they can handle a lot of, a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. At any given time, you've got a you've got a team working on DLC. You got a team working on, you know, Honey I Shrunk the Kids, <laughs> <laughs> and then you've got uh, the other one working on Skyrim clone. You know, so it feels like they basically just took Bethesda Studios or Softworks and said, like, okay, we're Microsoft and we're going to make Obsidian our Bethesda. You know, mm-hmm. here here's money, go make things for us, and yeah. we will let you take all the time you need. <laughs> That's for sure. But yeah, anything, gold. Anything you were anything you were missing that you might might have wanted um, to see? I didn't care to see gears. I I, I'm, I was fine. They didn't bring that out. You can do that later. Um, sure. I'm trying to think of things. I it would be nice to get a hint of the initiative, but I'm I'm guessing, in my mind at least, I'm hoping that when the initiative finally does roll out. That's kind of like in the way, because it's a Santa Monica studio and everything, that when they do it, it's kind of like how God of War rolled out, where it's just mm-hmm. you hear some music and you start to see someone playing a game. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, and you're like, oh, wow, this this is interesting. I, I don't want to see trails. That's the other thing, too, kind of sucks on a lot of this, is that most of this is just CGI announcements and, you know, it's one of the reasons why I didn't get overhyped for this. I didn't get overhyped for the Sony one. I think they're both presentations that felt like they're in the same ballpark in my mind. And, you know, I, I don't know. I just, I don't, it, I, I wasn't disappointed because I didn't have high expectations either way. You know, I was just like, I hope I get to see fable. I got to see fable. Um, and I really would like to see more of Everwild to a point where I actually know what the hell it is because it's, <laughs> It's tone and look and everything and sense has me completely look like a Studio Ghibli game. <laughs> and that's that's awesome. What about you, John? Um yeah, the only thing I I really just came to see what they were doing with Halo. That's really that was really my only priority and my only expectation and I walked away going, "All right, it looks like we're going open world, quote unquote. It looks like I don't know. You you'd be you'd you'd know more about this than anybody, well, than me. But you know, does <laughs> it seem like you're going Destiny with this? Um, I think and yes, I think in the sense of like you're just gonna have Halo Infinite, and you know, they will do what they do with the uh, map packs, and then maybe every. <clears throat> I don't know if they'll go in the sense of like say, hey, we're gonna have new chapters coming out all the time. I don't know about that. Um. But it could just be this thing where it's like, okay, Halo Infinite, this title is the new game and it comes out maybe, say, two years into the uh, Series X life cycle, right? 
and that's right. the update. I could see that being the thing that they do. Um, cool. I would like to have a better idea of, because I don't know how many of these games are coming next year. Like, I feel like of the ones that got announced, I'd be betting that State of Decay, um, Avowed, <clears throat> Stalker 2, well, Medium, yeah, Hellblade. I think those are all 2022 or later. And uh, yo, yeah, yeah, they're doing that in Unreal Five, so that's got to be. I think like people only got Unreal uh, Five kits like towards the end of last year was when they first went out. Some point in the back half. Um, so I'm thinking like Forza. I'm not sure when that's coming out. I w- I was very surprised that wasn't a launch game because usually mm-hmm. that's what they do, but. I would imagine that's one I could see coming in fall of 2021 and maybe I'm trying to look here. Of course, Psychonauts 2 is some point next year and maybe the gunk will be next year, but a lot of the other stuff like Fable, I don't think we'll see Fable till 2022. Thanks a lot, man. Sorry. (laughs) Well, here's what we'll see next month. Hey, Xbox Games with Gold for August will include Portal Knights, which will come out August 1st and be available through the 31st on Xbox One. Override Mech City Brawl will be out on August 16th and will go until September 15th on Xbox One. MX Unleashed will be out August 1st to the 15th on Xbox One and Xbox 360. Red Faction 2 will be out August 16th through the 31st on Xbox One and Xbox 360. And for PlayStation Plus games for the month of August, we have Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 Campaign Remastered. Um, Definitely we'll pick that up. Fall Guys Mm -hmm. Ultimate Knockout is the other one, which I'm not familiar with. But at least they've got... I mean, and and Modern Warfare 2 is... I think just came out last month. Yeah, not too long ago. Remastered. Yeah. yeah. Well, God, it actually came out back in. You know. <laughs> the campaign's height. That's the one where you yeah. go to America, if I recall, and they blow up the space station. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. Important things they do there. Yeah. Almost as important as sales, John. Tell me about sales, Chris. Well, Ghost of Tsushima has now become the PS4's fastest selling first party original IP debut with over 2.4 million units sold through the first three days. By comparison, Horizon Zero Dawn sold 2.6 million units in its first two weeks of sales. Many were concerned that The Last of Us Part Two and Ghost of Tsushima would be hurt by releasing so close together. However, it's clear that these were smart investments, and Sony believed in both IPs. I agree. And I think that was originally, for the most part, their plan, right? Like, I think... Originally, they were trying to get Last of Us out in April and Ghost in May, and I don't have any reason to believe. No. Or was it June? Ghost, so maybe Ghost it was a little was bit longer. June. But but Ghost still, was June, and then they pushed a pushed a Ghost back. Yeah, once they had to move back Last of Us. Um, yeah. But I mean, like, I don't think it would have been any different. You know, I think both those games would have done fine regardless because one of them has a huge fan base, and the other, you know is an open world game and those do usually well <laughs> yeah faux show um 
I bet a lot of folks pre-ordered Ghost of Tsushima based on these sales, though, John. Well, I did. Uh, and speaking of pre-orders, Dragon Quest Eleven S is <gasps> up for pre-order, and I'm sad. Dragon Quest Eleven S is coming to PS4, Xbox One, and PC, and is currently up for pre-order. This version contains the original game with new character-specific storylines, an orchestral version of the soundtrack, a Japanese voice acting option, the ability to switch between the standard 3D graphics and 2D pixel art graphics like older versions in the game. This version originally came to Nintendo Switch last year. Unfortunately, I bought it a few weeks ago on Switch, Mm. and now I'm sad. You know what's going to make you sadder? What? You know what's going to make you sadder? What? It's releasing on Games Pass on day one. Oh, yeah, I did. Ooh, well, that's not bad. They yeah. just play it on Game Pass. There you go. Yeah, um, that's going to make me, I was like, because I was looking at Dragon uh, Dragon Quest Eleven, right, on Steam and all that, mm-hmm. and then I saw it was on Games Pass, and I was like, oh, well, there's my reason to finally get into that series and see what that's all about. So I'm definitely going to check it out. I wonder if you'll hate it. My guess know. is you might. It's not, there's nothing ultra sexy about the combat it's just you it's it's the way i mean it's just the basic turn-based stuff that's fine yeah. okay I, I get it it's it's trying to be that classic jrpg and as long mm-hmm. as it does it well i mean that, a lot of nino kuni was in that way and i like both of those yeah for sure I but um, i you know I, I finally got the s version because of all the all the bells and whistles it had mm-hmm. but it definitely a visual downgrade from when i played it on ps4 ah. and now that it's on ps4 and xbox and pc i'm like oh now we have all the bells and whistles and it looks better <laughs> so sorry but you know yeah, now you have a reason to wait till uh december to play it right and you'll just sure you'll go trade that in uh and see ricky i bought it digitally <laughs> oh no oh no <laughs> maybe you can find a digital ricky <laughs> or something i don't know yeah maybe uh you know i love a good leak john tell me about the leak uh it would appear that call of duty black ops cold war has been leaked by a bag of doritos there you go <laughs> As one does. feed the beast remember when that was the tagline for doritos yeah. i remember this apparently the bag is promoting the game along with a double xp promotion it states that the promotion is set to begin on october 5th 2020 possibly hinting the game could be released in late october uh, Modern Warfare had a similar double XP promotion uh, on October 1st, 2019. This does not surprise me in any way. <laughs> well, you know what they say. If it's on a Doritos bag. It must be real. It must be real. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing, okay, that's kind of cool. Black Ops like started as being a Cold War game. Like the first mm-hmm. one is is straight up Vietnam scenes and all that. And it mm-hmm. felt like over time... It kept moving more forward in the future, and it kept straying away from it. I even, I don't even think I've played the last Black Ops campaign, um, but that's cool. They're going back to it because they had a lot of fun, and it felt so distinct because you know you'd had all these classic Call of Duties that were always World War II, and then you had finally seen the future, and then Black Ops came in and, and really carved this place that Call of Duty had never been to and hasn't really been to since with uh, the Vietnam era and all that. So the idea of maybe this being like a co-op uh, or I should say, you know, running Black Ops in, in USSR or Afghanistan or something like that, right? That's 
somewhere in the Soviet bloc. That sounds like really cool and could be uh, unique. You could do a lot of different things with it. I hope it's good. Well, it can't. It can't be as exciting as Cuphead. Nothing's as exciting as a uh, Cuphead. Well, speaking of Cuphead, <laughs> Cuphead is uh, shockingly, and I do mean that. I'm not, you know, is coming to PS4. Cuphead has made a surprise appearance on the PlayStation 4. The news was announced uh, during an interview with Jeff Keighley on a Summer Game Fest stream, and is available for 1999. Nine, according to MDHR co-founder Chad Moldenauer. Quote, to all the impassioned PlayStation fans who've sent us messages over the years, we're so excited for you to get a chance to experience Cuphead firsthand. We're also hugely thankful to the wonderful team at Xbox who continue to empower us to bring our game and our story to new audiences. Yes. And that is great. My lady friend's and son is a humongous Cuphead fan. No kidding. He loves the animation style. So, I bet he's good at it. He beat it. He, I was like, when he told me he beat it, I was like, I of course feel, you did. I feel old. I feel dumb. Um, <laughs> one day I'll beat that game. Maybe, probably not. <laughs> Your shaky hands can't can't yeah. play the response Resisting. type. <laughs> but yeah, that's awesome though. I, I I do like that Microsoft. It seems to be if something is like more kid friendly, I guess. Right? They they don't have a problem rolling out because of course they did it with minecraft because they didn't really have a choice when they bought minecraft but you know they've kept it up they haven't kept it exclusive to their console um even you know i believe dungeons was is everywhere you can buy that everywhere right so maybe that's just going to be their thing yeah i bet you they'll put the first they're bound to put the first ori game on there at some point too maybe Uh, yeah i could see that happening i'm sure will the wisp will end up on both the art consoles at some point yeah, it just depends on what they prioritize. Aha. Because that makes me go, finally this week! Finally this week. Ubisoft has alleged to pr- prioritize male lead roles. Allegations have surfaced that the plans for leading female characters in multiple Assassin's Creed games were canceled or minimalized because of the perception that games won't sell without a strong male lead. According to Bloomberg, the focus was on the company's executives citing anonymous Ubisoft employees explaining that Assassin's Creed Syndicate, Origins, and Odyssey were all affected by these decisions. So I believe, was it? Syndicate was originally there was going to be more EV content, and it got scaled back. Origins was Bayek the main guy was originally going to die about a quarter of the way through. And then the rest of the game was going to be his wife who uh, took up the mantle and basically creates the assassins and all that out of anger of what happened to Bayek. And then finally the big one uh, Odyssey originally Cassandra was going to be the only protagonist for the game. And basically they were told the studio or they're saying executive management told the team that's not an option. You have to have both male and female options in there. Um, personally, I would say it wouldn't shock me. And all this is true. Um, just because I think this is like when, (laughs) when you talk, I don't care what like entertainment industry you're in. Like these are the kinds of conversations that go on at the executive level. Uh, for these kinds of things where someone is going to voice and say, well, we've done the analysis and 
we fear that if we have this in this game, it's going to cause this amount of potential decrease uh, based on, you know, the population that will be upset by this being in game or something like that. Right. Um, so I, I would imagine when you're Ubisoft and you're looking at something like Assassin's Creed and you say, that's your bread and butter for money makers of all of your single player games. Um, that probably has a pull and influence, you know, hopefully the fact that I feel like they probably have data that shows how many people played as Cassandra versus Alexios. Um, maybe hopefully that will be the kind of thing where they go like, Oh wow. A lot of people did play as Cassandra and it will just say, Hey, you can make whatever title you want, you know? Well, uh, well uh, you know, I think we'd be disappointed, not that we should allow that metric to determine necessarily. Um, yeah. but two thirds of the audience of Assassin's Creed Odyssey played as the male character. Um, only mm-hmm. one third played as Cassandra. Um, oh, wow. So, I mean, th- that that's not to say that people mm-hmm. would not have bought the game. Yeah. If it, if it was simply Cassandra. But, you know, this, to me, this, this story that Schreier broke mm-hmm. is only interesting in the context of what Ubisoft has been previously dealing with, with the other things. Yeah, they've had a lot. Trier has broken because I can tell you it is it is okay for a marketing team to sit down and discuss what's going to make the most money for a game. Um, and there are always exceptions to this rule. And you know, one of my favorite series, if not my favorite series of all time, is the Metroid series, which has a female protagonist. True. Those games don't sell. I can't tell you that the reason they don't sell is because it's a female protagonist, because that that is not what's highlighted in that game. And there are exceptions where Horizon Zero Dawn is a female ta- protagonist and it sells yeah. well, but that but that has a lot to do with Sony's brand. Um and their independent studios and, and their and, and their platforms that they put up. Fans trust the games that they release and that pushes sales out. I think, you know, if you if you think back to what was going on during the time of Assassin's Creed Syndicate, they were talking about they were talking about origins as this is gonna make or break this franchise. Yeah. And and that and I, what what bothers me about stories like this is there's no there's no journalistic curiosity about the context surrounding these stories, about the context about what's going on at the time these things are being discussed in boardrooms. I mean, Assassin's Creed Unity was a disaster. Syndicate was much better, but did not do much better. Wait, and look, if they tell me, if they tell me you that mean Unity. Unity- did you say or yeah, I, thought, I said I said oh, Unity okay. yeah. I said Unity, Unity was, a, was disaster. a disaster. Yeah, Unity was a disaster. Syndicate didn't do much better. Yeah, I and felt I like whole, Syndicate took the the brunt, right? Well, I I I played Syndicate um, yeah. one and a half times. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, in the sense of Unity sucks, so therefore, you know, therefore Syndicate was impacted because people had a negative impression left exactly. by the last one. Exactly. Yeah. And one of the things that they that any that any marketing executive has to factor in is making sure that sales are the most that they could possibly be. And I can tell you, you know, last year's game of the year was Control for IGN. Mm-hmm. 
yes, it was. female protagonist, but Ubisoft could not get away with Control's definition of successful sales. Maybe. They can't I, they can't justify the sales of a game like Control. They need they need higher numbers. Mm-hmm. And look, I'm not here to justify the 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 realities of you know who relates to who as far as video game protagonists. I think the last percentage that they did was um what 54% of gamers are male, 46 are yeah. female. So it's so the so the gap is is narrowing and it's getting much better. And I think I think you're seeing that um with the titles that they're releasing in 2020. Mm-hmm. But in order to, for me in order to get the full context of this story, you have to go back to when Syndicate came out, when Origins was being developed and all the conversations. Mm-hmm. And just drop the drop the spin that this must be because of I uh, sexism in games. I don't know if it's, it's just, it just doesn't it doesn't drive with me. There's no there's no journalistic curiosity about this story. I don't know that's necessarily what the message is. I think it's more of Ubisoft for years has put on this front of we love our creators, we let them uh, we trust in them and, you know, we're a place of inclusion going forward. You know, we made child light and, you know, it was this art project and that's got a female prota- pa- protagonist. Right. Um, and I guess it's just the thing of if there is a criticism to be had here is like, well, if you're putting, it, it's kind of like how Sony with their pictures kind of got caught in this too, where it's like, you're on the front face, you're saying one thing. But then when you take a deeper look and, you know, I would, it seems like when Jason does these stories, he does make sure like, Hey, I'm not just taking one agitated employee, right? He usually goes out and gets about 20 or 30 people. And you think of, okay, if you're getting 20 or 30 people, that's a decent sample size. And I guess I'm looking and I'm saying, you're saying you don't care about these things and you want to inspire the creator, if the creator's original vision is that Bayek dies, right? Or that, um, or bigger that the player is just going to be Cassandra for this go around, right? Then that's what I want them to do because now you're taking away all this resource to, to make something, you know, go both ways, right? Imagine what, odyssey could have been if they didn't have to worry about having two voice actors for this character and and to be fair playing both of those characters i feel like i could tell in retrospect that yeah they were much more into the cassandra actor and getting that right than the alexios actor because he is he works good as a villain uh when he's your you know when he's the bad sibling but man he was annoying as heck when i was playing him as uh this and maybe i mean I guess I, I'm not shocked now that they're basically saying you can in this new one play uh, whatever character it is. It, it's kind of more of I guess the reality of what I've seen with Ubisoft, which is that they want to find a way to remove themselves from that conversation. And I I think like they've decided their answer is probably I would not be surprised. Maybe maybe this report has an effect. I wouldn't imagine on the next next Assassin's Creed, but maybe the one that's you know, two games down the line, right? Maybe then if they're going to make a change, it would be there. But I think their thing is just going to be, look, you can be male or female whenever you want and do whatever you want. Sure. And we're not going to avoid, 
you know, and I, mean, I think, that's what and I think, I think in 2020, that's a better strategy in Maybe. 2020, Maybe. but that's the problem. We we take the lens of 2020 and we try to apply it for things that were going on and discussions that were happening literally six years ago. I yeah. mean, let's just be real. And you know, I'm sure that there's somebody, I'm sure that there's nuggets of truth to the story, hmm. but for the person who said we need a male protagonist in Assassin's Creed origins, there was also another executive that I can guarantee you go, okay, you want to start the game with a protagonist, kill it off and then start with another one. Well, we tried that already and you didn't like it when we made Assassin's Creed three. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, let's learn and identify with this per- this character and then shove you into another one. I mean, games like that, rarely pull that type of thing off when they try to do it. And, you know, Jason Trier's content over the past three or four stories that he's done Mm. is not about disgruntled current employees. It's about disgruntled former employees. And that Uh, matters. I thought he said in this one, he had both current and former employees on this. I'm happy to stand corrected if that's the case. I, I, Um, I think he, look, I mean, Jason, I think is just the guy going out there and saying, okay, here's a story. And let's let's see if we can shed some context. And I think it's important. Look, I know Ubisoft doesn't like hearing this stuff, but I think, you know, it, if you want it to come to light and you do want to see it to get some consideration, it's not like to say Ubisoft's some terrible company and they're they're oppressive and, you know, they're striking people down. But if you don't have a conversation about these things and and, you know, say that the masses now, you know, all those people at Ubisoft who work there that are females, now they know that. And, you know, they can, if Ubisoft is smart, and I hope they are, they'll go and they'll have an open conversation with those female employees who might have an issue with hearing this kind of news and say, hey, this is why we do it. And maybe that was, that was how things were. And we get it. That wasn't something that we should be doing in today's day and age. And this is how we're going to go forward to make sure that you, the developers and those you that are working on the game make the game that can be what the true vision is instead of what, you know, I guess like what EA gets kind of accused of a lot, right? You know, kind of just trying to make a game that hits all these boxes for what the market marketers say. I don't know. But that's news. That's news. <laughs> uh, I think we got a long episode now. What, what, where were we at? Time that's off? your fault. Yeah, I know. Well, I've also been getting this distracting things from my lady friend because her son just discovered Doctor Who and she's hating me. But oh I'm like, God. I'm like, yes, 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 my son, yes. Welcome to the cult. <laughs> I shall, I shall show you the ways of the TARDIS. Uh, you want to wrap this up, John? Just to be safe. Never. enjoying this yes we do what we can when we're not all together right (laughs) ah if you want to write your thoughts and prayers thoughts Thoughts and prayers prayers, you can write them to weekly games chat at gmail.com that's weekly games chat at week uh at gmail.com just like apparently i from california did that's chris from california 
He says, just to show my appreciation for how funny you guys are, I wanted to share a particular joke that Sean made probably a year ago that still gets me a laugh. I can't remember all the details, but I'll remember the glorious punchline. One of you said something incorrect, to which one of you replied, get it right, which was followed by get it tight. There was a long pause, and just before the conversation resumed, Sean came blazing in with the Bubba Sparks, booty, 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 booty. (laughs) It's so stupid, but it makes me laugh. I appreciate all of you, and I hope Sean is doing well. P.S. The fact that you change the podcast icon every week is so underrated. I'll be honest there, Chris. I haven't been doing that since I came back, and these two guys, (laughs) they don't know how to do that. Maybe I'll do it for Ghost of the Tashim this week, though. Uh, But he says all the best, John. Uh, all the best back and just a fun fact and chris i'm not i'm not an expert on this stuff so you correct me if i'm wrong but mm-hmm. he's from he's from uh he's from about he, 40 minutes north of us right? yeah he's from lagrange i believe Bubba sparks yep yeah. lagrange georgia <laughs> we're proud we're proud of our sons yes uh, right. and they're booty 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 <laughs> uh <laughs> next up we've got uh george he says hey dudes what's up man Armstrong here. Just thought I'd pop or pipe up and say that I appreciate what you guys bring to the table every week. I'm excited to see how this year shapes up with the console releases and hope they're not as expensive to pick up when the time comes. I've been playing everything from RPGs to racing games and will continue to explore the wonderful world of gaming. Keep up the great work and let Sean know he's being uh, he's being thought of all over the globe. Cheers, gents, and game on. Pipe. Uh, what was it? Armstrong, yeah. So, uh, Chris, I, I I forgot to mention I I spoke to him last week. Um, I texted him today. He, yeah, he's in he's in pretty good spirits. Um, still having a little bit of a issue uh, with the shoulder. <laughs> well, yeah. In fact, uh, his, his wife, his wife, um, actually bought him a copy of uh, Ghost of Tsushima, so he attempted to play it. And he he, he gave do it. it he, he just couldn't do it, um, yeah. which I'm just I'm just surprised he gave it a try. But um, not to get into too much detail, but because of how long he's been waiting mm-hmm. uh, for the surgery, they they might he doesn't know for sure, but they might have to go in and re-break oh. things. Um, because they're so just, growing yeah, back incorrectly now. Yeah, it, it's yeah. it's healing it's healing all the wrong ways. So you know, I've I've talked to Sean and told him about all these sentiments that has, that have come uh, his way. He misses you guys. He, he, he's, he's, he's excited to get things moving and get things. He's just, you know, for the pet, the frustrating part for him is he's been in limbo for way yeah. too long. Yeah. And he's just, he's just ready to get this party started if you will. But, um, um, thanks George for the, for the thoughts. Um, so keep them coming everybody. Yeah. John says, Hey, yeah. I I messaged him earlier. I was like, whenever you're ready, buddy, I'm ready. And I've already got, I've, I've already picked out when, uh, you know, I'm sure first they'll, I would imagine it'll be appearance before we get a full episode. Right. Because, uh, we're coming in at two hours right now. I don't know how well a man that's recovering from shoulder surgery. Once he gets that done is going to be able to do that at, at the first stages. But when he comes back, I've already thought out and have the perfect, intro music for him to come back so we will we will have it prepared and ready uh when it when it is time 
uh, it will not be from Z Splat or where that site is that we get the music from. Um, and then let's see. First, let me go over to the email section that had a long pregame show conversation on the Discord uh, earlier today. And there was one on there from Rublock I wanted to hit up where he says, Hey guys, hope you guys are doing well as well as Sean. Sorry, I just got back to work. I was off for two weeks for sickness, but tested negative for COVID. So that's good. Congrats to you, sir. Uh, but to my question, I was told the game uh, that Ghost of Tsushima is like Sekiro and Assassin's Creed had a baby. Are they meaning it's as hard as Sekiro? Second question, I've heard rumors that it's, uh, that this is coming to PC, is that true? I would say, one, it is a little bit of a baby in terms of the setting from Sekiro, and then a little bit of the old-school Assassin's Creed is definitely nowhere near as hard as Sekiro. Um, and then as far as it coming to PC, I think Sony hasn't been too shy to say that it's planning to bring a lot of its titles uh, over to Steam after they've been out for some time. So, I mean, Death Stranding came out in November and was just released in July. So, I would be banking that it may come to PC at some point uh, early next year. Would make a lot of sense. Um, because there's a lot of money to be made in that, John. That's why they're doing it. Because, you know, Steam has users. I just want Horizon on Steam. That's so That's soon, isn't it? I don't know. I, I I don't remember when it's coming out. I think it, it, it's definitely in August. So mm-hmm. um, it's mm-hmm. it's coming. It's we should a, just cover it again on the show. We can do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally fine. Yeah. I probably need to play it again just so. Uh, yeah, no. Okay. So in the pregame and all this, <laughs> Platt was upset that we didn't invite him on to talk about this. And I told him that the price for a gang on the show would be a year's supply of chicken nuggets from chick-fil-a since he works there right now <laughs> i was like we we desire the food of the gods <laughs> uh and he said well wait a minute i'll just record i'm sorry according to chick-fil-a there only is one god <laughs> there you must be no false prophets <laughs> it is the god's chicken <laughs> That's the funny. god of abraham isaac and jacob <laughs> Um, but, uh, let's see. He basically got to a point where he just said, I'm going to record a video of what had been my part and emailed in. I threatened to say, I will just play the video without any sound. So you can do that all you want. And, you know, I'll look at your face and I'll share it with John, but they will never hear what your thoughts are on this game. God, you're, you're mean to him. I'm so mean. He did send me a video though. Should I actually play it? If you want to. If, I mean, I don't know. John, John, Is you're, that, you're, I am just the ghost, you know, of Tashima and of the show. Did he say that he wanted it played? He said, please find my edition tape attached. Nine out of 10 Richard so far. Story could bring it to a 9.5. Um, but he did attach a video. I mean, we can, I mean, he's probably listening to this. Uh-huh. So he can let us know if he wants us to play it. I think we'll he wants it. us to play it. <laughs> I think that was implied. The question okay, is how wait, much how much time of the show are you willing to give to Platt? How That's long hard, is it? I don't know. Let's see. Well, let's find out. Um, dang it! It's like okay. 
It's three minutes and 13 seconds. I mean, that's three minutes of your life, John. I'll leave it to the ghost host. If you, if you want to do it, you can. (sighs) All right. The moment this goes downhill, man, but let's do the audition is over. Huh? Let this be the Twitter segment. Okay. Yeah. I don't even know if we had a lot on Twitter this week, but if you wrote us on Twitter, Hey, I'll, uh, (laughs) I'll, I'll do that next week. Okay. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, Twitter, we love you. Um, Sean runs that. We're doing a terrible job in his week. I mean, I'm doing a terrible job in his week. Um, all right, Platt. Let's see if this comes in well. Hopefully it does. And please don't suck. Okay, so take 137 of my weekly games chat audition. This is Justice Platt auditioning for the role of Ghost, a.k.a. Go- guest host. I'm going to stop you there, Platt. There's only one ghost on this show. And he's the ghost with the most. That's me. Um, here to talk about Ghost of Tsushima. I, uh, really, all I have to say is that the game is incredible. I was not not necessarily not a fan of the Assassin's Creed games recently. I just haven't played through them. So I know that they're getting a lot of comparisons to those games. But for me, I compare it a lot more to just other PS4 exclusives because that's the most relative point of comparison that I have. For me, the game does something really well, which is that the story moments and the progression balance out really well with the side content because any single time when I was playing through the game, and I have about 25 hours recorded so far, uh, I pulled a John and uh, I'm speaking on the topic without having finished the game, which is clearly been established as being okay on this show. Um, but to me, anytime that I started to feel like the story or the game slowed down with side content or just exploring the world, I could go and do a story mission and that in- instantly uh, got my attention back. So for me, there. the game is paced really well. It's obviously beautiful. We've seen that all throughout the screenshots shared all over the interwebs. And just the design of the game is really enjoyable. I mean, it's something small like the fact that you can loot items or corpses off of your horse you don't have to get off you're Um, disgusting the (laughs) bamboo and the trees are uh not invisible but you can ride your horse through them i'm looking at you red dead i'm tired of running into trees and being thrown off my horse okay hold on that's that's i don't know i don't know so so now i just want to you know we understand that Platt is a sick man and he likes looting corpses. That's creepy. He he really does, but he just criticized he just criticized Arthur Morgan's master. That's all fine. He can do that. No, it's not. If he says one thing about Kojima, this is over, John. This is freaking <laughs> over, okay? This is a video game, not a cowboy simulator. <laughs> um so right now I'm Thin about ice. a third of the way through Act Two. Uh, act two of three acts. Uh, if I were to just power through the story, I'm sure I could finish much quicker, but I'm enjoying taking my time. Again, I cannot recommend this game enough for anybody with a PlayStation. I think you're doing yourself a disservice with waiting on, not waiting on this game. Waiting on this game can obviously be a financial decision, but not picking up this game when you get the chance responsibly. Please enjoy responsibly. Um, you're really missing out. Uh, I-, I could talk for hours uh, about the gameplay. One thing I'll say before I close, because 
I think Roblox asked in the emails Discord, it is not Sekiro. It's not Sekiro. The only thing that those two games have in common is that both of the characters wield a katana, and there's one other thing that they have in common that I'm not going to discuss because it's arguably spoilers. Um, and you don't even really... Fair. That doesn't even really come into play that much. Um, yeah. Other than that, this is an adventure action RPG. And that's it. So to sum up Platt's video, uh-huh. he likes looting corpses. Yes. And he likes to take his time. Yes. And apparently he doesn't like realism in video games. <laughs> so, you know. It just hearing hearing his voice uh uh made me remember how much uh I I enjoyed his voice. Hmm. I missed his voice. Okay. So let's just, so him, let's, let's just give bonus, him a host. Bon- oh, oh, wait, bonus topic of the week. Um, what would you rate that video review from Platt? I'm going for a four out of ten. Solid four. What about you? Oh, he definitely nailed an eight. <laughs> You're for more generous than me. Of, so the, for the sole purpose of trolling you on Red Dead? Absolutely. Uh, next time I'm going to make sure he trolls you on Assassin's Creed <clears throat> or you know Metroid or something. <laughs> Castlevania. He'd be like, Castlevania suck. Like, he would never Good. do that to me. He would. Well... He went after me a little bit. Yeah, I'll, I'll find a way to to turn him harder against you. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that was awesome. Glad I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for for talking in. I guess is the way to say it, not writing in. <laughs> but uh, John, as you said, we're gonna hold off the twitters for next week because we've been going for a while now, and I got curry sitting on the stove. I want to eat, so. This has been episode 260. Um, <laughs> I think it's 268. Uh, don't yeah. quote me, though. I don't know. There'll okay. be a number in there. I'll get it right when I publish it. But if yeah. you like the show, subscribe to us on iTunes, wherever podcast service you use, and you will give new new episode of Weekly Games Chat every Wednesday, probably a couple hours earlier because I'm just kind of publishing as I get done, um, for your listening pleasure. If while you're there, you want to give a rating or a review, helps more people find the show. So if you hate us, shut up and don't write in. Um, <laughs> otherwise, if you love us, scream it from the ceiling. Uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That's that's all we're here to say. We're done with this democracy stuff. <laughs> Absolutely um, yeah. done. Um, if you want to write your thoughts or prayers, you can write them to weeklygameschat at gmail.com on Twitter, which we will get back to next week. Or you can hit us up in the Discord and join in by all of our lovely conversations that are going on. Uh, there's a bunch on Ghost of Toshima on there right now. So if you want your other people's thoughts instead of this idiot or this stupid idiot that works at Chick-fil-A that wants to be a judge someday, um, you can hear them from everyone. They're all in the conversation. That was Tucker barking, by the way. Um, <laughs> until next time, though. I will simply say game on John. Game on Chris. <laughs> said so quickly. Game on Sean, wherever you are. You want to say that too, John? Game on Sean. Your mom's And a less epic thug life. <laughs>